Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, everybody, welcome back. This is the Believe in Patriots podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. This will be episode three. I am your host, Brady Farkas, reminding you to subscribe, rate, review, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We do this once a week out of the season. We do this twice per week in the season. We're two weeks away from training camp, and hopefully we get training camp going. Obviously, we see Major League Baseball, the NBA, hockey, all getting ready to give it a go, and some teams, all of those leagues, already working to get back on their fields of play. Hopefully, football is just around the corner. Reminder, you can follow me on Twitter at 1013RadioBrady. My day job, radio host, 3 to 6 p.m. every weekday, Burlington, Vermont, the huddle on 101.3 The Game. So give us a check there. You'll hear some fun announcements for us coming soon. We'll uh, have some announcements to make regarding the future of the podcast and some stuff you'll really like. I'm going to keep my thoughts a little bit shorter today because we've got a long interview coming with ESPN NFL insider Field Yates, somebody who is as tuned in to the Patriots as anybody in sports media. Love Field, and he will join us here in a few minutes. So we get to it now. We do this every single episode for down territory. First down is this. I'm starting to get more excited about the Patriots and their chance for success than I was just a day ago, than I was a week ago, than I was a month ago. And it's not because I'm a flip-flopper. It's because more and more information is coming out that is pushing me in this confident direction. I know you're going to laugh. I know you're going to laugh at me here. Reason number one, the Madden ratings are getting leaked out. Who cares about the Madden ratings? The players sometimes care about the Madden ratings, and I usually don't. But this has me excited. So the so Madden School on Twitter, they have the rankings of the top 10 players on every team. And they're not official, but they're reported. And I went through and I averaged out the ratings of the top 10 players on in the entire AFC East. Patriots average in Madden, top 10 players, 87.1. Bills, 84.6, 82.7, 80.5. This leads me to believe Bills, 84.6, Jets, 82.7, Dolphins, 80.5. This leads me to believe that the Patriots' high-end talent is better than everybody in the division. So now it's going to come down to some of the separators. What are the separators then outside of those top 10? Head coach, Patriots are going to have that. I love Sean McDermott. I think he's great. I think Buffalo's going to be really good. Bill Belichick's better. Quarterback play. Yeah, there's questions about Cam Newton. I've been telling you for two weeks about how I've got questions about Cam Newton. Well, I got those same questions about Josh Allen. I got those same questions about Sam Darnold. I got those same questions about Tua or Ryan Fitzpatrick with the Dolphins. So everybody has questions at the quarterback in the division. No team in the division, by the way, has their quarterback in the top 10 of their team's Madden rating. So everybody's got questions about their quarterback. It's equal. And then depth. So the Patriots have the better higher-end roster. Okay, well, what about the rest of the depth? This is where I worry about the Patriots the most. But if they are healthy, that's a big if in the NFL. It's a big if for the Patriots. But if they are healthy, I don't think the offense is as bad as people make it out to be. ESPN ranked it 21st overall in terms of weaponry. If it's healthy, you've seen the videos of Mohamed Sanu. He looks good. I can count on Julian Edelman. I know he's good for 90 to 100 balls. The, the whole just cavalry of running backs 
that this team has. Then you throw in Jacoby Myers, who I like, Nikhil Harry, who I like. If everybody's healthy, and I, I know somebody's going to be not healthy, but with that offensive line being as good as it is, seventh best in the league according to Pro Football Focus, with those weapons getting healthier than they were a year ago when we last saw the Patriots play, I've got to feel better than I did a week ago. Moving on, oh, and by the way, quick one more quick thing on that. I may not love the Patriots as a Super Bowl contender, and I don't. They're not as good as the Chiefs. They're not as good as Baltimore. But I've spent so much of the offseason telling myself, that they're not even as good as Buffalo. I got to now rethink that. I still think the Bills have more potential to do something long-term this season. I think they're more of a threat to Kansas City or or Baltimore than the Patriots are. But if the Patriots can just win the division, if they've got the higher-end talent, as Madden tells you, if they've got the better head coach, if all the teams have quarterback questions, and if the Pats can stay healthy enough that the depth that I'm worried about doesn't come into play as much as I fear that it could, then I have to feel pretty good about the Patriots and their chance to win the division. And by the way, Vegas agrees with me also. That's why Vegas has kept the Patriots at or right next to Buffalo in all these projections. I don't think the Patriots' record is going to be overly good. 9-7, and seven, I've told you, I think is their ceiling. Their schedule is insane. NFC West. AFC West, tough road trips. Who knows with coronavirus protocol when you're allowed to travel. It's going to be difficult. But it's also difficult for Buffalo. It's also difficult for Miami. And it's also difficult for the Jets. So I feel better about the Patriots' chances today than I did a week ago. And continuing on, by the way, those ES- that ESPN ranking, Bill Barnwell, he had the Patriots' offensive unit in terms of weapons at 21st in the NFL. Jets, Dolphins, they check in near the bottom of the entire league. Near the bottom of the entire league. Dolphins 30, Jets 29. So if the Patriots can still be the cream of the crop in the division, then anything can happen. Anything can happen. I've been saying all along I thought they were going to get the 6 or 7 seed and get bounced in the first round. Maybe they win the division and get the 4 seed. And then life becomes a little bit easier. By the way, the Bills ranked 8th in terms of offensive weaponry. That does scare me. But I guess all I can hope for is that the Patriots' defense is as good as advertised, and I have no reason to believe that it won't be. Moving on. Second down. Cam Newton's newest videos are insane. I love everything about them. So this was Cam over the weekend. Uh, Let me see. Let me grab this. Cam over the weekend was another video post-workout just talking about how motivated he is. Listen to this. Cam, on his level of motivation. You know what makes this different is they ain't never seen this Cam. They ain't never seen him. You want to know how I know? They ain't never seen him. The forgotten Cam. Tired of being sick of tired Cam. Felt like I was just left to die. It's over with for him. He ain't the same player. Mm-hmm. By the way, there's a lot of people that have a problem with Cam saying he's unpatriot-like or Tom Brady would never do this. Tom Brady would have, of course Tom Brady would do this. Tom Brady would absolutely do this. Tom Brady told us he put out videos every week saying about how, you know, showing the his motivation, showing about how pumped up he is, the LFG videos. He's he's the one who made the comment to CBS after the playoff winner of the Chargers a couple of years ago. I know everyone thinks we suck and know we can't win any games. That's what Cam's saying. He's just telling you in a different way. He's putting the messaging out there in a different way. And you know what? I don't care. I love it. If we're going to have this plan that now everyone's telling me I should be getting excited about, and I'm starting to get excited about it, well, 
then let's just do it. This is what Cam Newton is. This is what he does. He's doing the same thing that Tom Brady does. He gets motivated. He gets pumped up. He's telling you he feels slighted. He's tired of feeling slighted. He hears you. He hears the comments. He's mad at the Panthers for getting rid of him. I love knowing what motivates athletes. I love hearing what motivates athletes. I think right now at this moment, he hates the Panthers more than he loves the Patriots. And when July 28th comes around, it'll go the other way where he's all in on the Patriots. Right now, I think he's just out to just tell the Panthers to F off. And I'm all for it. I am all for it. It's different. It's exciting. Yeah, he does it in a different way than Brady does. And different makes it hurt a little less. If you were a Patriot fan gearing up for 2-14 and 14 after Tom Brady, you'd be crushed. If you're gearing up now thinking you've got a chance to win the Super Bowl or get to the playoffs, it makes it hurt less. And Cam's putting pressure on himself. That's true. The fan base is now going to be swarming if things don't go well for Cam. But for right now, it's awesome. It's, it's the middle of July. No sports are being played. Give me something. Cam's doing it. If he backs it up, the fans are going to love him. If he doesn't back it up, then he's going to fall victim to the Boston media. But for right now, I'm absolutely all in. (laughs) Moving in on third down, Tom Brady, or speaking of Tom Brady, Cam Newton talking about replacing Tom Brady. This came on a, uh, I don't know if it's a podcast, a roundtable on Odell Beckham Jr.'s YouTube page with OBJ, Victor Cruz, and Todd Gurley. Here's what he said about replacing Tom Brady. You have to talk about the elephant in the room, and it's like, you know you who you you coming after. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, great. Yeah. What he was, what he is, is great. Needs no even talking about it. But one thing about it, though, you, <laughs> Coach McDaniels, you're able to, to call some stuff that you ain't never been able to call now. So that's Cam getting everybody else up in arms, including my co-hosts on the, on the, on the radio show at 101.3 The Game. That Cam's ripping Tom Brady. Cam's taking shots at Brady. No, let me. T- Cam's telling the truth. Cam is telling the truth. He told you Brady was great. He told you that Brady's awesome. That Brady's one of the best ever. He said that that's that's in this box. But in this box, Josh McDaniels can call different parts of the offense now. Yeah, he can. Newsflash: Cam is ten years younger. Cam moves a little better. Cam plays a different game than Brady in some ways. I've thought all along that they're going to be far more similar than people expect, right? Cam doesn't have the big arm anymore because of the shoulder, just like Brady doesn't have the big arm anymore. Cam is going to get rid of the ball quickly, and they're going to try to protect him and not get him hit in a lot of passing scenarios. Two steps, ball out. James White dump off. Julian Edelman slant. That's what Tom Brady does. That's going to look the same. Where it looks different and where Cam is right is guess what? When it's third and three and they run a play-action bootleg and Cam keeps it, Brady not running that. When it's third and three and they run a, uh, a an RPO where he sticks it in Sony Michelle's belly and then pulls it down and rolls right and throws on the move to another guy who's open in the flat, Brady's not running that. So Cam Newton is not wrong here. Could he have spoken with a little more reverence for Brady? Sure. But did he say anything factually wrong? He said Brady was great. He said Brady was the best. He said Josh McDaniels can call different parts of the offense. I don't see any harm in that. Again, all what he's doing is he is putting a target on his back. He is having to back things up. He better win the starting job. And if if he doesn't have the starting job or he doesn't play well, 
then I'll feel differently in three weeks, a month, three months. But today, the show is today. The podcast is today. I'm okay with everything that Cam Newton is saying. And by the way, athletes, high-level athletes always think this about themselves, that they're that they are untouchable, that they have a supreme confidence. This is what we love about high-level athletes. Cam Newton's won a Heisman Trophy, a national championship, an NFL MVP, been the number one pick in the draft, made hundreds of millions of dollars, and has been to a Super Bowl. I think Cam has the swagger and the confidence exactly like Tom Brady has. Exactly like Tom Brady has. And that's what we loved about Brady for so long. And I also love Cam clearly doesn't feel any pressure. I mean, we spent I've spent all offseason thinking, well, what's it like to replace Tom Brady? You don't want to replace the legend. Cam doesn't care. Cam's been the face of a franchise. He's been the number one pick in the draft. He's had to justify a number one contract. He's been to a Super Bowl. He's dealt with doubters. He's dealt with haters. He's been doing it since college. He's screwed up in his past. He's had to make amends for it and work his way back. Cam Newton doesn't feel pressure of replacing Tom Brady, and I love that, and I am all in. On Cam, moving to fourth down. Now, if I were Brady, I would feel offended. I don't think Cam's doing this. I don't even know if I'd feel offended. Because I think, you know what, let me amend that. I don't think Brady should feel offended. Because I think he knows that Cam is right. That Cam does open up different parts of the offense. But I do think I feel conflicted if I were Brady. I don't think that Brady dislikes Cam. I don't think that Brady dislikes the Patriots or Patriot Nation. I don't think he dislikes Robert Kraft. I do think he doesn't want Bill Belichick coming off looking like a genius. He doesn't want to see fans forget about him. He doesn't want to see him replaceable. And he doesn't want Belichick to have the satisfaction of being right. I don't think that he's actively rooting against Cam. I do think that Brady is rooting against Belichick. I do think that Brady doesn't want to see the Patriots go 10 and 6, 11 and 5 without him because it will lead to the belief that it was all Bill all the time. Brady does not want to see that happen. So he sees the fans getting excited about Cam. And it's not about Cam personally. He sees them getting excited about Cam. He sees that the fans are starting to replace him with Cam and are okay with that. He does not want Belichick to get the satisfaction of having been. Right. All right, that was four downs. Let's go out now uh, to the phone line and talk with Field Yates, ESPN NFL Insider. All right, now I want to welcome into the Believe in Patriots podcast a guy who's tapped into all things Patriots. It's Field Yates, NFL Insider at ESPN. Field, how are you? Brady, I'm doing well. It's always great to catch up with you, and uh, our conversations often center around the Patriots, so it's glad that we can take that to podcast form. Well, you know, I've gotten a chance to talk with you a lot on our radio show, and there's a lot of things that I don't get to ask in a, in a 10-minute radio interview that I've wanted to know, so I'll kind of start here. I would argue that you're the most tapped into the Patriots of any reporter in the game. How long does it take to build that trust with an organization? And now you have that trust with multiple organizations around the league. But how long does that take? That's a great question. And first of all, I, I, I'm flattered. I, you know, I, think, I, I will say this. I, I have always said this. That I don't know if anybody in sports media covers a team as well as Mike Reese covers the Patriots. So I'm going to humbly offer him. Uh, as is just sort of the best. He's the, the tone setter uh, amongst so many of great of the great reporters we do have at ESPN and around the media landscape. But one thing I would say, Brady, is, and I've learned this from Mike, I've learned this from Adam Schefter, is that 
Trust is something that is incredibly, incredibly difficult to build, but really easy to lose, right? And uh, we live in a world now where there is this premium on information and, and, and making that information public. Uh, the reality is that I think a lot of the best reporters are probably people that are either burying information because it's information given to them in trust, or there's a lot of information that they have which is used as context, not necessarily news breaking. And so why I mention that is that, you know, I, you know I, I feel really proud of being a part of the ESPN Patriots coverage team. And I know that a lot of people there, uh, you know, led by Mike, uh, you know, feel very strongly that uh, it's not necessarily a specific amount of time that you need to build uh, the trust or, or the intel. It's that it's sort of the approach. It's doing it a certain way every single day. And uh, I think probably uh, maybe one of the most important parts of that is an appreciation for every side of every story. There's no story too big and there's no story too small. Uh, with the Patriots, they're always notable. They've been so successful. Um, but I find just as much pleasure and joy in hearing about you know, how much um, guaranteed money an undrafted free agent got for the Patriots as I do whether or not Cam Newton is signed, right? And that's not to say that that undrafted free agent will play a more pivotal role for the Patriots this year than Cam Newton will, um, but we, we've seen some, so many great undrafted free agent stories. But I think that having a passion for all things uh, football it can lead to really, I think, lockdown coverage of a specific team or specific teams. You know, the, the sports media landscape has changed. It's changed at ESPN. It's changed at my radio station and everywhere in between. Do you consider yourself, Field, a journalist, an entertainer, or somewhere in between? Wow, that's, that is a great uh, – it's another great question. We're too for different for At its core, you know, we, we, are, we are all journalists. It's what we do. Um, I would say that some of the sort of traditional definitions of what a journalist is have – modified over the past, like, let's say 10 or so years, right? Um, maybe even more recently than that. And you know, at my core, uh, I still want to produce accurate, thoughtful, insightful, educational content. Um, I've also realized, Brady, that there is an appetite for things that may not be uh, strictly football, right? So I don't know that uh, 25 years ago, we were asking uh, our favorite basketball or football or baseball or hockey reporters uh, what their favorite movie in the Star Wars trilogy was, <laughs> right? Um, or their favorite fast food restaurants or their, you know, number one place they want to visit in the world. So I almost feel like there are some elements of entertainment that have been folded into the journalism umbrella that are really important for us now to sort of uh, adhere to and, 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 and be uh, mindful of. And uh, I will try my best uh, when, when I speak to young people that are trying to get into the business. I, I sort of have a few ground rules, but one of them that I really feel strongly about is that uh, you have to say everything, uh, everything that you say you must believe, hmm. but you don't have to say everything you believe. There's sort of a fine line there, right? So yeah. like whatever I say, I have to believe in it. I don't have to say everything that I have in my mind. So for journalism and, and entertainment now is that now I have had the opportunity to speak more about things like, you know, whatever, um, the, the, the best sitcom I've watched uh, during quarantine or what have you. Um, where, but I also don't have, you know, I, I don't need my, my, my life to just be uh, publicized hour by hour. There's probably an appetite for more football and less thoughts on, uh, you know, what I had for breakfast this morning. You know, we see it all the time on Twitter. Source says, sources tell me, sources indicate. 
I remember the first time I ever got to put out Source Says. Dion Lewis, former Patriots running back, grew up in the same area as me. And so I knew some people that he knew. So I, I had some good intel that Dion Lewis was not coming back to the Patriots when he was a free agent. And I felt real like a big shot being able to put Source Says Dion Lewis not coming back to the Patriots as a free agent. Do you remember when you first got to put Source Says on something? I, I think I do, but I'm not. I, I, there's, there's a story that I don't know if it was the very first time, Brady, but I think I do, which uh, do you remember the Joseph Adai era in New England? Yes. You might not. Oh, not in New England. I remember Indy. Yes. He was briefly a Patriot, and he was a Patriot. I mean, we're talking like really, really short period of time. Never played in the game. I think he might have just been there for like a week of training camp, basically. But at the time, it was – and the Patriots have had – more success in tapping value of players um, that, you know, no one else wanted or that were no longer wanted by their previous team, which is part of the reason why there's so much excitement around Cam Newton. Um, but the, the reality of that is not every, not like every sign is going to work out perfectly, but that's why you're able to afford these players for minimum salaries or, you know, close to minimum money deals. <laughs> Excuse me, but... Um, I believe Joseph Adai might have been the first time that I think I used the word source, which <laughs> he had he gotten cut, and everybody was like, he got cut? What? And I remember something, people like, he, he'd been there for a week, and I think I was able to add the layer of context from a source that he had failed this physical. Basically, wow. he, had, you know, he, he was not healthy enough, right? And um, that it was it was not like he had, he had done one week of drills, and they were like, he's not going to cut it. I think it was clear after one week that, whether it was his knee, and I can't recall off offhand, uh, there was something in his body that was not allowing him to be the player that he had previously been, hence the quick tenure in New England. You know, you're in the same position as I am, I would imagine, where when you do what we do and you're around the people that you're around and talk to the people that you are you get to talk to every day, you get kind of desensitized to the, to the celebrity factor or the oh wow factor. But do you remember the first time or the time when it kind of hits you like, Damn, what I'm doing is pretty cool because I remember that moment vividly for me. I'm trying to think of the specific moments because there definitely was a moment because we're so fortunate to do what we do. It might have been I'm trying to think. You know what? There was a game that I went to, and this may not have been the very first moment. Um, but there was a game that I went to. It was the AFC Championship game between the Patriots and Broncos in Denver. The Denver ended up winning, and I think it might have been the year that they went, ended up winning the Super Bowl. I know the uh, the play. It was the play. Um, man, no, it wasn't the Super. It wasn't the AFC Championship game where Gronk had that ridiculous fourth down catch. It might have been the first one where the Broncos ended up losing to your Seahawks okay. uh, in the Super Bowl. Uh, but I just remember, and we had this bizarre. I mean, I was like flying in. Like, last flight in Saturday night, and I was flying from, like, Boston to, like, Atlanta to Denver, which it was, <laughs> I mean, as late as possible and as indirect as possible. And I just thought to myself, you know, part of me says, this is, like, crazy, right? Like, we're sitting here, uh, I'm going to be in Denver for, like, 24 hours, maybe even less than that. I think I had, like, a last night, last flight out on Sunday night. It's a lot for one game. And then I thought to myself, how great is this? you got the Patriots and the Broncos. You've got Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. Football game. I want to say the weather. You know, Denver's the, the craziest weather city. My in-laws live there, so I know this very well. Is it could be You could fly in with two feet of snow 
and then the next day it could be 72 degrees, and it could be January. Uh, so it was one of those crazy weekends, Denver weather, but incredible football, great atmosphere. That was a moment where I'm thinking to myself, this is pretty special. For me, it was the uh, let me see. It was the Panthers Broncos Super Bowl in San Francisco. It was my first radio row, and I only got to go because the guy who was supposed to go took a new job like the week before, and they didn't have anybody else to send. And I'm on radio row. I'm walking around, and it feels pretty normal for the first couple of days. And then as the the crowd picks up, I see Colin Cowherd and Ken Griffey Jr. on either side of me, and I'm like, okay, that feels big time to me. And that was my aha moment. Well, those are those are two Pacific Northwest legends, right? Yes. I mean, uh, obviously, everybody knows Griffey is, is Mariners' days, but Colin cut his teeth in, in Seattle, if I'm not mistaken. That was sort of where he, uh, I know, he wasn't he at one point for a very long time, a, a long-time radio host out in Seattle. Is that correct? He was in Portland for a while, but he grew up in Washington. So, hey, it's a... It's all the same. Hey, I, I grew up a Seahawks fan, as you referenced. Did you grow up a Patriots fan, Field? That's uh, a question I've been asked a lot recently, and um, not really, to be honest with you. I had, I was uh, a little bit of a my, my fandom is a for NFL was. I guess I was, I, mean, I was sort of all over the map for a while. I kind of had uh, brief relationships with a variety of NFL teams, and part of the reason why Brady is so. My dad is from Hawaii. Um, wow. No sports, no professional sports teams there. Yep. <laughs> Excuse me. And then my mom is from Columbus, Ohio. And she grew up a die-hard Ohio State football fan. She's a huge football fan in general, and she went to a ton of Ohio State games. So I grew up as my primary team was the Ohio State Buckeyes. Hmm. So that led to guys like Orlando Pace, ending up with the St. Louis Rams at the time, Eddie George, ended up with, you know, obviously the, the Oilers becoming the Titans. Players like that that I followed at a high level. But in the NFL, I kind of just sort of bounced around. But I, people always ask, like, you know, who's your squad? And for a long time, it was the Ohio State Buckeyes. And I still love college football. Um, <clears throat> I've got a bit more love for Boston College now. My wife is a graduate from there. <laughs> you know, somewhere deep in the Farkas household um, back in Albany, New York, is a Marshall Falk Colts jersey, a Warwick Dunn Bucks jersey, and a Vinny Testaverde Browns jersey. What jerseys are buried in the Yates household? Yeah, I had a lot of basketball jerseys, believe it or not, growing up. And huh. I had basically every Michael Jordan jersey. I had a Wizards jersey. I had, obviously, a Bulls jersey. I had a Bulls jersey uh, for Dennis Rodman as well. I had a Washington Bullets jersey for uh, for Michael Jordan. Obviously, that, that, that name has been retired. Um, but a lot of basketball jerseys uh, in my childhood collection. Um, a few a few baseball jerseys as well. Football-wise, I had a few. I had a uh, Richard Seymour, so there was some Patriots flair there. I had a uh, Eric Metcalf for the oh, Browns. Wow. Uh, that's, that's a throwback right there. I'm trying to think what else they may have had. Um, those are the two football ones that I remember. And then I had Andy Katzmoyer from Ohio State. That was like my go-to for a long <laughs> time. Uh, Katz, obviously, is such a great player. Uh, at Ohio State's an icon, and then, of course, became a Patriots first-round pick. You know, you actually worked for the Patriots and the Chiefs as well. Was the goal to be in an NFL front office, to be on an NFL sideline? What was the goal originally professionally for you? Yeah, the goal was to take over for Bill Belichick, which, you know, I'm glad now, Brady, that that, that goal has changed <laughs> because Bill is still plugging away, and I don't see any signs of slowing down, right? I mean, he looks as strong as ever, and, uh, you know, as I would say a very, as, as an excellent shot of, um, of breaking Don Shula's all-time wins record. <laughs> Excuse me, as long as he just sort of stays on his current path, which no reason to think that he won't. Um, but I always wanted to coach. 
and I, you know, I spent some time, as you mentioned, with both the Patriots and the Chiefs, and I would love to tell you that I had an aha moment, um, but it really wasn't an aha moment. It was just a, I thought about the idea of, of trying something different, eventually led me into the media side, and now I haven't turned back. So maybe my, maybe my aha moment was uh, more subconscious than conscious, but um, I've loved what I've done at ESPN, and you know, if all goes well, I'll continue to do it for uh, for a long, long time. What kind of coach would Field Yates be? Is he a hard nose like you see in New England? Is he? Are you more Bruce Arians? What kind of coach is Field Yates? Yeah, I don't think I have as much swagger as Bruce Arians, <laughs> and certainly not uh, nearly the cachet and the control and the and the intelligence of Bill Belichick. I'm trying to think of who I, you know, I sort of feel like um, <clears throat> I feel like Frank Reich might be the proxy okay. of what I would be like, and uh, not nearly as successful, but. I, you know, I consider myself fairly mild-mannered, um, and Frank has some fire to him as well, but Frank is just like a good guy, right? Frank Reich is like the kind of coach that every player has a relationship with and will for a long, long time. So that might be the guy that I would consider myself, uh, I would sort of aspire to be like. How did you get to New England? I, you know, I got to imagine there's a lot of people that played college football as you did play college sports and want to go into coaching, and they've got to cut their teeth at a high school on a JV team. How did you cut your teeth at the Patriots? How did that even happen? Yeah, I got really lucky. I had an opportunity to be a ball boy uh, at a Patriots rookie camp. Wow. By knowing someone who knew someone a long ways back. And that all from there uh, took it to – Basically, I said, like, after that, that weekend, I was like, all right, well, I'll come back for the next one and the next one and the next one. And it all sort of uh, built on top of that, Brady. So it was uh, incredibly fortunate to know someone who knew someone who knew someone for a rookie camp. And then it was being a pest and not taking no for an answer, basically, and finding my way to uh, – I use the word intern uh, at training camp, even though it's hard. You know, it's not like it was one of those things where you went online and applied for it and, yeah. you know, and you, you – you, 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 submitted a resume or something like that. So um, it was a, a really fascinating and fun time of my life and certainly something that I will never forget. As for the Patriots on the field this year, look, and I've said this on the podcast, I've said this on my radio show, I like Cam Newton a lot. I love his videos. I love his social media presence. I'm hyped up for it. I love the contract value. I still think the right move was to play with Stidham. But regardless of that, what do you think of the Cam signing in New England? Interesting. So let me hear the case for Stidham first. So I, I think because I didn't grow up a diehard Patriots fan, I think I have a different perspective where I was okay with the idea of a gap year. If And there's seven teams in the playoffs. So if they go eight and eight and they sneak into the playoffs, then everybody's happy that they got there and you figure, you know, you build on it for next year. If they go 11 and five and surprise everybody, then they're in the playoffs, and boom, we're trying to win the Super Bowl next year. And if they bottom out and go 4-12, and 12, they go and get Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence. I was okay with the idea of not knowing, and I just don't think many Patriot fans are. So I don't think they're going to bottom out. I don't think that was ever going to be in the cards for them. They're just too talented, no matter who's playing quarterback. And I know people say, well, what talent? Look at the defense. The defense is stacked again this year. Secondary is the best in the NFL, in my opinion. They're obviously incredibly well coached, right? Offensive yeah. line is healthy and back intact. That's a good sign. So I don't think bottoming out was ever in the plans or ever would be feasible. So I think you take it next level. If Cam Newton plays solid but not spectacular, then they're probably what, like somewhere between 8-8 eight and eight and 10-6, and six, right? Yeah. Um, 
and, and you're paying him probably it depends on how things shake out, but probably like five million bucks. And it's like that's a crazy value, right? Crazy value. Given what quarterbacks are making, you got backups that are going to not see the field at all this year. They're making more than that, right? I mean, and, and I don't blame them, but, but like the Browns gave Case Keenum eighteen million bucks for three years yeah. to be a back a backup backup. Now beyond that, you've got people like so. That, let's say he plays amazing. If he plays amazing, it's the best value in sports. that's not close, right? Yes, I, mean, I agree with makes, that. All seven point five million bucks. It's an incredible value, and the Patriots are just. You know, they're so far ahead of the of, of the curve if that happens. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, so I just think the Cam has a. Uh, I, I think it's the definition of low risk, high reward. I'm excited. I think it's a great energy shot for them, Brady. I think it gives them an identity on offense. I think it makes them far more dynamic. I think it improves their swagger. I think I'm not saying it's foolproof, um, but I think it's a really, really shrewd, smart, exciting signing. I think maybe part of this is, and at my heart, I'm a diehard baseball fan. Baseball is my first love. Baseball is my favorite sport. I think I've just gotten so, I don't know if it's brainwashed in quotes, into thinking about future value and thinking about getting guys when they're on the cheap and thinking about using young talent. And then, you know, I look at the Red Sox and Mookie Betts, they have to trade because he's in his walk year. And I just think to myself, Cam Newton Look, they either are going to have to massively overpay him next year to keep him, which I view as a loss of value, or they're going to let him walk and only get a third-round pick, which I don't know is enough value. And I think I've just become so baseball-centric that that's where my value conversation comes into play, where I'd just rather play with the cheap option instead of who has more years of team control. I think maybe that's it. I see where you're coming from to a degree, but I do think that if Cam walks away next year because he's making $30 million per season, <clears throat> something like that, it means that he kicked butt this, this year, right? It means he's awesome. It means you're really good. And I take that, you know, in a one-year proposition because that means that a year from now, if you look at the Patriots' finances, they are equipped to sign a quarterback for big-time money. This year they were limited, and next year they're not. So if they want to go the free agency route and not have to go, you know, searching for a diamond in the rough like Cam, they can do that. If they want to go into the draft, it's probably a little bit more difficult. But I think they are in a much better spot next year to find a quarterback in a more conventional free agency route than they were this year. And if, if Cam is awesome, I also think Brady, and this is, you know, famous last words this soon, <laughs> but you got to figure that, like, if I'm Cam – do I want to go anywhere if I have a great year this year? Like I, I would think that this would be one of the best places for him to be. Seven million in cap space nearly opened up this weekend. You were on the reporting there because of the grievances settled with Aaron Hernandez and Antonio Brown. So you got all this found money now. What do you do with it if you're the Patriots? Spend it? Save it for a rainy day? See who gets cut at training camp? Make a trade? What are you doing with this money? I don't get the sense, Brady, that this is going to be an immediate spending spree. I think it's going to be, hey, we've got this money. It helps us at the very least. What you have is you've got your in-season roster management money, right? Yeah. So if – sorry, if a guy comes to – you know, if a guy gets banged up at a critical spot and you got to sign somebody, you've got that. If someone becomes available on waivers, you've got that. You've got injury settlements. You've got all those things that are going to need to be taken care of because – Every NFL team has to take care of them. Um, there are some interesting free agents right now. There are a lot of really talented players who are not yet signed. A lot of that has to do with COVID, of course. Um, I think the Patriots' approach is basically to have it, 
uh, be opportunistic, but there's no need. This is not, it's not like there's an expiration date on the cap space. And if you use it for rollover cap space going into next year, great. If you decide to use it on somebody right now because you see a trade target who's very valuable to you and um, his team, his current team doesn't have room for him, maybe you can go that route. But I think right now, you know, they're at 90 players on the roster. They're going to have to, you know, a lot, a lot of reporting from my colleague Adam Schefter about the need to probably cut players before camp begins. That we may not have 90 man rosters. So if I'm the Patriots, I'm probably saying, all right, like, we shall see. That's our mindset. You know, I think we're going to get a season at least that starts. There's just too much money and too much invested in the NFL. We'll have the accessibility and funding to get to testing. So I think we'll see a season. But I was reading Devin and Jason McCourty's uh, Monday morning quarterback piece the other day, and they raise a lot of valid questions. And I think the average fan asks, the NFL has had so much time to figure this out. Why are we still having questions two weeks out from training camp? What sense do you get of, of how the NFL has worked to address some of their concerns in the last couple of months? Yeah, I don't think it's a lack of preparedness, Brady, on either side. I think it's the reality is that, first of all, so I'm not saying that the season's start is less important um, than the draft and free agency and things of that nature. But, you know, there were things to take care of that were major, you know, league events prior to this point, right? Right. So you had to execute the draft, free agency, and, and get organized, you know, team activities and, and the offseason program sort of. Um, you know, off the ground. Um, I just think that, you know, there's no playbook for this, right? There's zero playbook for this. And we're seeing leadership take very different forms by state. We're seeing, uh, you know, people's views on, on the seriousness of the pandemic uh, take different forms. So I think this is just a really unique situation that basically every league has struggled with to some degree. And I hope for the NFL's sake, and we're having this conversation, as you mentioned, a couple of weeks out, from the start of scheduled training games. Um, I just hope that the NFL and the NFLPA act as teammates in this and not adversaries. And I know that's much, it's, it's naive for me to say because that's not always the case. It's just a hope because it seems like the best way for this to take place as scheduled and be successful. Get you out of here on a couple of quick questions. What's the, what's the one thing you've gotten good at during quarantine, during the pandemic? You've had a little more time at home on your hands. What's the one thing you've gotten good at? I wish I could say uh, something that comes to mind right away. Um, I've got a little better at cooking, I think, but nothing like, you know, no, no like specific recipe that I've mastered. Just I feel like a little bit more creative and more adept in the kitchen. I'm jealous. Anything anything with ground beef is where my specialty lies. So if it's not ground beef, if it's not ground beef based, I'm not good at it. So like I can make you a mean sloppy joe, but it's going to be tough beyond that. <laughs> well, a good sloppy joe goes a long way. So that's a good that's a good recipe to have in your arsenal. Yeah, we'll party it up sometimes, sloppy joes and tacos, and then, uh, you know, we'll be all set on my end. Um, I've been doing a lot of reading lately about the Madden 21 player rating. So field, I ask you one video game you get to play for the rest of your life. I don't even know if you're a video game guy, but you might have been back in the day. One video game you get to play, or what is it? Probably, I would think, maybe um, maybe 2K5, which was, I believe, the apex of Michael Vick in his Madden years. Yeah, um, yeah I would think Madden 2K5 uh, is, is, is hard to beat. I love NBA Jam as well. Uh, and then if you want to go, like, you know, this is sort of a loose interpretation of a sports video game, but 
you know, Super Smash Brothers is always a classic as well on the GameCube. See, I play Super Smash Brothers still to this day, but on the N64. Can't go wrong there. You can't go wrong. All-time classic. My brother, though, he plays with Samus, kicks my butt every time. Never in the history of this game has Kirby beaten Samus, and I continue to use Kirby, and that continues to be a problem for me. Well, well, you Farkas brothers have a very competitive spirit about (laughs) each other, so I get it. So, also, uh, one next on the next podcast, whenever that is, I'll have to tell you about how I acquired Japanese Mario Kart. I'll have to tell you that story. Ooh, interesting. <laughs> That's a good story for another day. Field Yates, ESPN NFL Insider, used to work with the Patriots, tapped into the Patriots. You can follow them on Twitter, all your Patriots news at, at Field Yates. So, Field Man, we appreciate it as always, and uh, we'll do it again. Sounds good, Brady. I appreciate you, and have a great rest of your summer, and let's hope football starts on time. All right, that was Field Yates of ESPN. Love talking to Field. I've had a lot of chances to talk to him um, over the course of my career. Just a great guy. It really does know. He's modest about it, but I think that he is so in tune with the Patriots. Also, and he's right, Mike Reese. There's a lot of people who are great with the Patriots. Mike Reese, Mike Giardi, uh, I mean, Scott Zolak, it go, Christian Fourier. It goes on and on forever here. But uh, do love talking to Field and do appreciate his insight. And, uh, wow, let's get ready to wrap up the show with uh, a little three and out, and uh, we get the NFL primetime music going here momentarily. Oh, there we go. There we go. There it is. On the Madden video game ratings, by the way, they seem right for the Patriots. The top ten, I mean, look and see, they've got five defensive secondary members in their top ten. Patriots secondary is the best part of their team. Jonathan Jones, interesting to see him sneak in at number 10, 83 overall. Came out of nowhere last year. Had a, well, nah, two years ago, came out of nowhere. He had a great year last year. Um, seems right. They get a, three offensive linemen, five defensive players. Edelman, the only skilled player in their top ten. That feels right. By the way, you're not going to change my mind on this. The best sports video game ever, MVP Baseball 2005. Madden, always been good. It was great when it was a PlayStation 2 franchise. Uh, don't like it as much on the PlayStation 3 or the PlayStation 4. There is a Cam Newton podcast that has just come out. I have not listened to it yet as of the time of this taping. Tyler R. Tynes is the guy who put it together for The Ringer. So I'm interested in this, man. Six parts, 20 to 30 minutes long, short, doable episodes in one sitting, starting with Cam's early life, moving all the way to him signing with the Patriots. Tyler R. Tynes came on our, came on our radio show this week, said 100 different people he talked to about this. Took him 14 months to do. I cannot wait to hear this. You can find that also Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. (laughs) Wrapping up here on 3 and Out, Patriots acquired nearly $7 million in cap space, as we talked about with Field. Let's not blow that all on Jadavian Clowney, please. Save it for a rainy day, and if I'm going to spend it, I'd rather spend it on offense. I like Clowney. Of course, I think he could be good in New England. The Patriots' defense is their calling card. That's the best part of their team. Let's not go in and try to add to it. The offense is what needs work. If you want a receiver, if you want Njoku in a trade with the Browns, if you want to wait and see who gets cut, see which cash-strapped team starts selling off assets, that's what you do. You do need money for the regular season as well when guys get injured or guys get coronavirus and get sick and you got to go and make some moves. You can't just give it all to Clowney as nice and appealing as he may be. So offense is where the money needs to go if it gets spent, but I am fine holding on to it for a while as well. All right, that wraps up episode number three. Thank you to Field Yates 
for joining us again. I am Brady Farkas. Follow me on Twitter at 1013RadioBrady. Subscribe, rate, review, Apple Podcasts, and on Spotify. We'll see you next time. Go Pats. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.